Thank you. That's a good reminder of where we stand. So, New Year, Happy New Year to you. And we hope that this new year carries with it a lot of hope with expectations for the future. Of course, the thing about new things is we don't know what's coming, do we? Uh, and a few years ago when we said Happy New Year, um, we meant it. We looked forward with anticipation and joy and sometimes it didn't work out as well as we had anticipated. But the hope, the promise that we find in Christ, as Derek began to read, says this in Revelation 21. John gets a picture. He gets a vision. And this is what he saw. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Can you imagine that? Now this comes in chapter 21 of the book of Revelation. There's only 22 chapters in the whole book. And this comes after the first 20 chapters of Revelation, where everything as we know it is demolished. Destroyed, judged, cleansed, purged, um, winnowed out. And so that's why there's a, a need for something new. It's a tremendous hope and a tremendous promise that we have from God. I'm making everything new. Can you imagine that? Everything new. Um, everything in the past is cleansed and healed forgiven and done away with everything everything new new bodies I may even have hair uh, new future new hope uh, new relationships everything new that comes at a price and a cost um, doesn't happen automatically but for us it's a free gift. If any person ever wants to come to know God, there's only one initial requirement. Just one initial requirement. The initial requirement is that you come with an honest heart. That you become honest to God and honest with yourself. So... If you don't believe in God, then you come before him honestly and say, God, I don't believe in you. If you're angry at God, you come, God, I'm angry. If you're bitter, God, I'm bitter. You come before him honestly. 
If you're filled with joy, hope, expectation, you come before him honestly. And if we come before God honestly, he will meet us. And so it begins there. Not wanting to manipulate or control or get our own way, just coming honestly before God. This is who I am. So I want us to look back in um, Genesis chapter 2. This is from the very beginning for people, for us, the first beginning. This is in Genesis chapter 2. And there's going to be two accounts of it in chapter 2. But chapter 2 is the summary. And we can begin by reading the last verse of chapter 1. Chapter 1 concludes the uh, six days of creation where God began to create systematically, orderly, um, progressively. And on the sixth day, he creates the animals and people. And the thing about people, though, were that people were created in the image and likeness of God, something that hasn't been said of anything else that was created, not even the angels. People, unique among all creation, were created in the image and likeness of God. And verse 31 is the summary of these six days. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. So these two verbs, completed and finished. The heavens and the earth were completed because God had finished his work. In John chapter 19, we're looking at the crucifixion. Genesis chapter 2 is the summary of all that God had done in creation, creating everything. It was completed, it was finished. So he rested. Rested doesn't mean that he was tired. It means that it was completely, totally fulfilled and there wasn't anything else to make because he had made it all and it was perfect. So he stopped. So once something is complete, you don't add to it. So in chapter 19, verse 28, Jesus on the cross, later knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled he said I'm thirsty and they gave him some wine vinegar verse 30 when he had finished the drink Jesus says it is finished with that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit so this word completed it means not just to terminate a thing but to carry a thing out to the full Completely, totally. In Genesis, the word completed and finished is the same word in Hebrew. So when he finished it, when he completed it, it meant that uh, everything was perfect the way God had intended it to be. And creation was now an accomplished fact. In Greek, 
in the New Testament, the words completed and finished in John 19 is the same word. It means the same thing that the Hebrew words mean. It means that everything was complete, finished. God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, had completed the sacrifice for sins. The sins of the whole world had been paid for in the death that He was dying now. Completed and finished. This is the beginning of the new creation. Genesis 2 starts in John 19. A new creation. Because now, because of the sacrifice of God through Jesus Christ, it's possible for all things to become new. This is the hope that you and I have as Christian people. So he said it's finished. It's been fulfilled. Uh, it's completed. When he had done that, it says that chapter 2 goes on and it gives a, a more detailed account of the creation of man. And it says that after God had formed them out of the dust of the earth, that he breathed into them the breath of life and they became living souls. Literally, a living soul. Because God had breathed into them. The Gospels in Mark and Luke both tell us, using the same word, that when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he breathed out or he expired. That's the word that they use. Um, when we say, well, someone has expired, what does that mean? It means they died. And that's what Mark and Luke meant. Expire means to breathe out. And so God, in order to infill man with life, breathed into him the breath of life. Jesus, in order for us to have life anew and a new creation, breathed out his life for you and for me. Mark and Luke says that Jesus breathed out and he expired. Matthew and John say that he delivered up his spirit or he released his spirit. So this was a voluntary act on Jesus' part. He chose the time of his death. And he chose this particular time because the work of man's salvation, the work of making it possible for a new creation to take place had been complete. It was finished. It's the same thing that he did when he created things the first time. John chapter 1 tells us that in the beginning the Word was God and the Word was with God. He was there at the beginning and nothing was made without Him or apart from Him. And so here He is now doing the work of recreating, giving us an opportunity for a fresh start, a new hope, a new life. And so what happens is that um, we have a new creation, the opportunity. What day did Jesus die? What day of the week? Yeah, what day of the week did Jesus die? Friday. And um, what's the first day of the week? No, Sunday's first day of the week. Monday's first day of work week. Sunday's first day of the week. So you got... Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday is the sixth day. On the sixth day, God created man from the dust of the earth. 
On the sixth day, Jesus dies on the cross to make it possible for a new creation, for people to be born again on the sixth day. As he breathed into man that first day, now he is breathing out his life so that we might be filled with his spirit once again. And as you again read through the Gospel of John, you're going to see that one of the things that he did in the upper room was he had his disciples there. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Rebreathing into them. And when the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, they heard a sound as of a mighty rushing wind. Wind, breath, spirits, all the same word. Spirit of God moving as he did at creation, hovering over um, the darkness of the deeps in Genesis 1. Now the Holy Spirit is moving over his people, putting Humpty Dumpty back together again, um, recreating people into the image of God because of the completed, finished work that took place on Calvary. And so... Friday becomes the new Genesis for us and as Christian people. Becomes the new Genesis. So Jesus died on Friday. When did he rise? On the first day. What happened on the seventh day? Genesis chapter 2. God finished his work, then what did he do? He stopped. <laughs> He stopped because the work was done. And he, he hallowed the Sabbath day. And so Jesus, having completed the work of salvation for us, rested. There's nothing else to do. The penalty, the price of our sin and death was paid, was complete. So he stopped. And he hallowed the day and he observed the Sabbath. On the first day of the week, what was the first thing that was created? First thing God created. Genesis chapter 1. Light. So it tells us on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, as it was just beginning to dawn, the women came to the tomb and they found it empty. And in the darkness of that tomb, they went, walked in there and expecting it to be dark because it's inside of a tomb and it was filled with light. And they had a message. And the message was, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Because he's not here. This tomb is empty. And the tomb was empty only for you and for me. He didn't need the, the tomb to be, uh, the stone to be rolled away to rise from the dead. Uh, you remember in the upper room, later on that day, the disciples are there, they're scared to death, they're frightened for their very lives. Door and windows are, are closed and locked, and there he is, he's right there. He appeared in their midst. They thought he was a ghost, he said, nope, here it is. Flesh and, and bone here, touch me, feel. I'm here. I'm alive. So he didn't need the, the stone to be rolled away to get out. Stone was rolled away so that we, you and I, can see that that tomb is empty. It's for our benefit. And so in the darkness 
of Mary's grief and suffering and sorrow and loss and the death of her dreams and hopes along with those of the disciples into that darkness the light of the good news has shone John chapter 1 in him was life and that life was the light of men and so Jesus at the very beginning of creation when God breathed into man it's the breath of God the spirit of God which comes in and makes alive the soul of the first man the breath of God spirit of God coming in and creating life where there was none and this life the life of Jesus risen from the dead now comes and gives life to the people that will receive him who open their hearts to receive he imparts that light his breath his presence his life imparted to those who will receive on the first day of the week the new creation and so what John sees in the book of Revelation there he sees this tremendous vision of all of creation being restored and refreshed not just people but everything even heaven renewed and restored and refreshed and same thing here on the earth and the old is done away with completely and totally it's a hope and it's a promise um, the New Testament as well as the old tell us that because man was placed and given authority over the whole earth when people sinned and fell it corrupted everything and we understand that every time we sin we hurt other people we damage things around us there's no such thing as a private sin even if it's something that's only going on within your own head or within your own heart it affects how you think and how you look and how you act and respond and it corrupts everyone around us and sin never stops and when it begins to grow it begins to produce fruit in our lives and we can look around us we understand that part don't we broken lives broken homes uh, broken countries broken relationships broken health broken emotions broken mentally we, we, we know about the brokenness and so all of that is what we've brought upon ourselves and corrupted our our environment and everything else this is why uh, I look at space exploration and stuff like that. Uh, here we are. They, they tell us now that there's so much garbage because of all the rockets and junk and satellites and stuff floating around the, around the earth that it's, it's hard. To, you have to be careful when you launch because you might hit something. Uh, you know, and so I guess if we get enough of it there, it'll kind of block out the sun and then we'll all be in trouble, won't we? So even outer space, which is pristine, we've begun to corrupt. Uh, so the moon now has um, uh, a used land, la <laughs> landing thing up there. There's, so those Land Rovers, they, don't, they go up there and do the exploration. They don't bring them back. Uh, these things that they send and hit other planets and other stars, they don't come back. Uh, so we're out here corrupting and influencing and infecting everything around us, aren't we? That's just the way we do it. And that's just, that's what we do here in our own lives. 
And so John is saying, hey, it begins with us, just like the sin begins with us. The redemption begins in us. Paul says, all of creation is groaning and travail, waiting on us for the redemption of the sons of God. Because when we get right with God, everything else will be sorted out. It begins with us, just like sin begins with us. You know, we can look around and we can gripe and complain about things the way things are. But the truth of the matter is nothing will change until we begin to change. I can blame other people all I want, but it has to begin within my heart. I can say the church needs revival, so, okay, what are you doing about it? Is God reviving your heart? Am, am I seeking after the Lord, asking Him to change me? That's where revival starts. It doesn't start out there somewhere. Um, well, the government, you know, the government, did, well, who's the government? The government's made up of people, individuals. It starts within us as an individual. So what about this promise? Um, I saw a new heavens and a new earth coming out of heaven, prepared as a bride for her husband. All things become new, he says. Everything new. So do we have to wait till the end of the world for all of this to happen? Um, what do we do in the meantime? The good news, the message of the gospel, is that because of what took place at the cross, that new creation can begin within us. And that's what we're called to be. Paul, familiar passages to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He tells us in verse 14, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, that's Jesus, and therefore all died, all who are in him. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So as Christians, people who have asked Christ to come into your heart, people who have been changed inwardly because of the presence of Christ, I want to ask all of us this morning, who are we living for? So Paul continues in verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. He says it is, it's affected everything that he looks at and every person that he looks at. How do we look at each other? Do we look at each other and evaluate each other from a worldly standpoint? If we do, people in advertising love us because they want us to do that, to look at the outward things. And judge by the standards that the world has set. Uh, Paul says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So not only did we look at each other and judge one another, we looked at Jesus that way. And we thought he was like us. And he is not in any way like you and me. All this is from God 
who reconciled us to himself. And he says, we once regarded Christ in this way, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new is come. And that's what Derek was talking about with the children this morning. If any person is in Christ, everything has become new. Because you're a new creation. When God created Adam and Eve, he put them in a perfect environment. It was perfect. When sin entered the world through people, we've corrupted and polluted the whole earth. And so just as the corruption began within us, the redemption also begins in us. And so not only do we look at people differently, we look at everything around us differently. And that's what Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. So it gives us an opportunity to participate in what God is doing. Why is he doing that? He's treating us, those who are in Christ, as his sons and daughters. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Nothing was created apart from him, and through him and for him, all things were created. And so he's giving us the awareness that we are children of God. That means he wants us to participate in bringing reconciliation to other people. So he has committed to us says that, here's the message, gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's or women's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's the message the message so that's the message for prophets and priests and preachers no that's for everybody this is the message for everybody we are all sons and daughters of God if Christ is in our hearts if we've been born again the new creation has begun in us and it's not just for ourselves it's to be shared and God has given us, every one of us, this ministry. God making his appeal to others through us. Be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors for Christ. His representatives in a foreign land. That's what an ambassador is. And so in this world that's filled with sin and sorrow, uh, hurt and suffering, we are his representatives here part of his family, participating in what God is doing. God working in us and then through us. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of Christ. Righteousness of God. 
So the reason Jesus died there in John 19 was to make it possible for a new creation to take place. That's a new creation in us. So that we might enter into a new relationship with God, not under condemnation and guilt anymore, but now received as sons and daughters, cleansed and purified, and to live accordingly. And so as Christians, we have an opportunity, don't we? As sons and daughters of God, we can live as sons of God, or we can live as sons of men. It's up to us. His Spirit working in us, changing us, transforming us from within. But how are we going to live Monday morning? In the flesh or in the Spirit? As part of the old creation or part of the new? We're going to be like the little pigs who went back to the pig wallow? Or like a dog who throws up and then looks around and comes back and eats it? Some of us have the opportunity to do that. And some of us do. But that's a choice that we make because we've forgotten. We've been washed. We've been cleansed. We've been transformed. We don't have to do that anymore. So when the prodigal son came home, do you think he stuck around for a little while and got healthy again and then went off and did the same thing? Uh, did he decide he, he preferred the, to eat the husks with the pigs instead of stay in his father's house? Uh, so why would we leave? Why would we go back to the old ways that was killing us to start with? So he says, look, you're a new creation. The old has passed away. It's finished, done with. You don't have to go back there anymore. You don't have to wallow in the things of the past. You can get up and you have a bright future. A future that God has prepared for those who love him. And it's, he will unfold that in our hearts and in our lives. We still live in this sinful world, but we live it now as new creatures in Christ. And we live it with his presence and his, the power of his spirit within us. And we're not obligated to do the things of the past anymore. And the power of old habits and old sins is broken through the power of the cross. Um, we still live it out. And that's what it means to be the Word of God incarnate. It means you live what you believe. And if you don't live it, it's telling you you don't believe it. Because it's out of the heart that all of our motives and all of our actions, our responses, the words of our mouth come from what's inside of us. So new creation in Christ. Um, there's going to be a fulfillment of that in the future. But in the meantime, God is inviting us to participate in what he's doing, one person at a time, transforming this world. And it begins within us, within our own hearts. If any person is in Christ, he's a new creation. Have we forgotten We understand what that means. Um, there are things that God imparts to us that the world can't give and doesn't understand. If we live it out, they will see it. They will see it. Let's pray. Father, for your presence and grace, for the offer of a new life, we give you thanks. 
for the privilege, Lord, of the cleansing blood of Christ that changes us and transforms us within. Help us to live that new creation out in our daily lives. Lord, we pray, Father, that as Christian people, we will not be bound by the chains of the past from which we've been set free. Help us, Lord, to walk in newness of life, the life of Jesus that he died to give to us, rose again to empower us to live that kind of life and to live his life in us and through us. In whatever job, occupation, calling that you've placed upon us, that we might walk with you in it and glorify you in all that we do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.